July 21, 1944. For the people of one U.S. territory, it marks a significant day for its greatest generation, liberation from Japanese occupation during World War II, a reflection on the 77th anniversary of this important date in Guam's history on That's It, That's All. You are listening to That's It, That's All with Sean Gamatato. You are listening to That's It, That's All. I'm Sean Gumatautau. The podcast is brought to you by Get LLC. This consulting and specialty construction materials and supplies firm serves government and private sector organizations in Micronesia. Need help on developing a safety plan? Need guidance on that next energy-efficient upgrade for your business facility? Ask Get LLC. They can be found on the web at get-guam.com. Check them out today. Welcome to those listeners checking out the podcast in Boulder, Colorado. Excited to greet those new listeners listening in Rock Hill, South Carolina, and Neptune City, New Jersey. Thank you all for listening. Can't forget the listeners right here, the home base of the podcast in Talafofo, Guam. Hafa day to you all. The format of That's It, That's All is simple. Press play. Let it take you from one end of the island of Guam to the other. By the time you get to the other side, it's all complete. Remember to download the podcast ahead of that next gym workout before you start the shift on your laptop or desktop computer and or your planned road trip here or abroad. A huge thank you to our friends at RedCircle.com in pushing out the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Amazon Music. That's It, That's All can also be heard on the iHeartRadio app and Pandora. We cannot forget to mention that the podcast is now a part of the KOAM Podcast Network, Micronesia's leader in award-winning broadcast news and information, and the multimedia home of original programming originating from the island of Guam. Hit the like, subscribe, or follow buttons of That's It, That's All, wherever you get your podcasts today. This time of year brings so much reflection across the entire population who call the 212 square miles of Guam home. During this time of year, island residents take time to honor those who survived the occupation of Guam by the Imperial Japanese Army from 1941 to 1944 in the heart of World War II. On July 21, 1944, the United States engaged in a battle to liberate the 20,000 United States nationals from an occupation they never asked for. An estimated 600 island residents were killed over that 31-month time frame, though that number is thought to be as high as 2,000 tomorrows. The occupation in World War II was a dark time for a Micronesian society that was just 43 years removed from joining the American family after the Spanish-American War, and into a transition that was just beginning westernized life in this U.S. community in the Western Pacific. The documented stories from this time are many, and to this podcaster seem a bit incomplete. I am well aware of the many historians who have spent the past seven decades working to pull the many stories together through the oral recounting of the stories of that time from those who lived it, the stories from those who survived that particular time in Guam's history. 
For those of my generation, the stories of Guam's occupation and eventual liberation came from our collective grandparents, mine included. The stories were filled with tales of faith, courage, and violence. From our Manumku, the stories are similar no matter where they were living on Guam at that time. The descriptions were primarily of survival from a very difficult and deadly time. As a storyteller, a communicator, I am still taken aback when I hear about how life was in Guam before, during, and after World War II. When this collective community thinks of reflection in the modern-day U.S. territory, annual activities associated with Guam's Liberation Day are still found in the work of a special few who want our community to remember, to never forget. It all started with the celebrated educator Agata Johnston, who helped organize the first Liberation Day celebration in 1945. It did include prayer. It did include thanks. Military leaders were involved, too, at her urging. Today, civic leaders continue to follow Agata Johnston's example. Activities to remember the U.S. Marines, the last group fighting to protect the island in 1941, and on the front lines to liberate Guam in 1944. Today, the U.S. Marines stand as a testament to the resilience of the American fighting force, which include a new base under construction in northern Guam at this time, named after a product of that war who is inspired by the actions of the Marines. My friend and a friend of Guam, the late U.S. Marine Corps Brigadier General and former Guam Congressman Ben Bloss. Also annually, memorials take place in Fena, Faha, and Tinta, where there was great loss of life in those southern Guam villages at the hands of the former Japanese occupiers. The stories from these areas are just a sliver of the horrors of war inflicted on the Chamorro people. Seguian in Jigo, in Alahan, Kalaguac in Barragada. Events from these areas, too, are memorialized today to remind the world of the cost of war to residents of these villages too. While there are memorials, there are many stories of atrocities from other villages that happened and are not a part of these public events. Many still alive from that time remember in private. Rape, murder, beatings, torture, hard labor, humiliation, Outside of the actions at Pearl Harbor in Hawaii, there is really no other American community that came face-to-face -face with the actions of World War II. Seventy-seven years later, these stories remain, filled with emotion from those that are still living and recounting the events to their friends and families so they too can understand. What does Liberation Day mean to every man, woman, and child in Guam? It goes beyond fireworks. The day can't be measured by drone performances. Flags to honor dead flown at half-staff are not really enough. Reflection. With each year since July 21, 1944, people remember and the stories are told. We need to hear them. Share them. Keep those memories close. This podcast is sponsored by Get LLC, a consulting and specialty construction materials and supplies firm. Since 2012, they have provided valuable services to their customers across Micronesia and North America. 
check them out on the World Wide Web at get-guam.com. They have a presence on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram too. Get LLC. Find out today how they can best serve your business's specific needs. Several years ago, I helped an uncle, the late Jose Pareda San Augustin, fill out a form to the Guam Foreign Claims Program. This program, enacted as part of a federal law, the Guam World War II Loyalty Recognition Act. I remember sitting with him on the porch of his home in Anigua, recounting his story of survival with his father. Uncle Joe spoke of that time like it was, well, yesterday. Vivid. Clear. He was just a young boy at the time, about six years old, when the bombings of Guam took place on December 8, 1941. He recalled frantically fleeing his home, he and his father, driven to their family ranch in what is now Barragata Village. The Japanese were in pursuit. Uncle Joe spoke of walking miles in many different directions for days on end to evade capture, staying far away from the Imperial Japanese Army as they could. As I wrote down his account, his eyes told me a story of survival that I had never seen before. His tone was serious. As my aunt, my dad's sister, Roberta, sat with him, she too listened intently. Though she had heard this story many times, her face somber. While she was too young to remember all the details of her own experience from the Japanese occupation of Guam, barely two years old. Much of Auntie Bert's early years were shared with her from my grandmother, Maria Perez Gumatautau, well into her teen and adult years. I typed, I cried. It was a story that, while I may have heard it before, knowing it would be on the record for the Federal Claims Settlement Commission of the United States to consider, I wanted to capture every detail. These little stories are just two of the hundreds pulled together for nearly three years, starting in October of the year 2018. As I recount these two stories, I and many younger tomorrows heard these very similar tales. In many cases, they did not have such remarkable endings. As a journalist covering Liberation Day events from 1994 to 2002 and then attending the annual parade in Aganya until 2010, I was able to hear the range of stories of life and death. Now, you may think that, hey, it's a part of your, the job that you had undertaken, Sean. There were many journalists in many other locales in America and government officials from across the other states that hear these stories of tragedy, too. Yes, perhaps. But it seems that World War II and its impact always seemed an ocean away from them, and for me, the ocean was just beyond the hill or around the corner from my home. I can only picture the days in my mind of a Guam that was just bombed out and folks trying to survive from Jigo to Umatic. As a journalist years ago, I remember coming across an archaeological dig in the village of Mariso, asking, the team noted, it may have been from World War II. Terrible days for scores of residents there just as the liberation of Guam was about to take place. I remember the former mayor of the village, the late Ignacio Bacruz, who pulled up to me um, at that site along Route 2 in Mariso, and he recounted the story of the many men who died in the village during the war from grenades, bayonets, and gunfire in areas beyond that spot. Not one, not two, 
the mayor and former Marine, told me the stories of many lives that were lost in the waning days of the Japanese occupation. Stories of death drive the memorials at Faha and Tinta. The survivors remember men, fathers, brothers, sons, uncles, taken out of fear. An uprising after the massacres at Faha and Tinta led to the death of Japanese soldiers. There may have been one Japanese survivor, according to accounts from that time. You can bet that many from that area or their survivors filled out the same form that I did for Uncle Joe and Auntie Bert. The forms for many were just part of the closure process, though how can anyone from Guam living at that time and still living today have any real closure? There was still some sadness, though many had gotten on with life after Liberation Day in 1944. Many of those living during the occupation are in their 80s or their 90s today. The stories are still being shared. Why I know that? Take a look at social media posts from folks from Guam, both near and far. Many did share a firework pick or two. Others, the great grilling pick. Others, reflections of the stories from their grandparents or older relatives. Each of them asking to never forget. The stories may not come as often as our Manumko are passing. But they have and will always be close to us as a reminder of a chapter in our island's history that we should not remotely take for granted. Take it for what it's worth. Stories of survival in time since Korea, Vietnam, the war on terror, and now a global pandemic. While survival is also the theme for the stories created in these events, the World War II occupation of Guam are that of a true test of faith and hope that was found right in our backyards. This podcast is sponsored by Get LLC, a consulting and specialty construction materials and supplies firm. Since 2012, they have provided valuable services to their customers across Micronesia and North America. Check them out on the World Wide Web at get-guam.com. They have a presence on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, too. Get LLC. Find out today how they can best serve your business's specific needs. Just before the recording of this podcast, I had just finished a book written by Keith L. Camacho entitled Sacred Men, Law, Torture, and Retribution in Guam. It was published by the Duke University Press in 2019. This podcast is not going to review the book. I came across the publication and would encourage you to read this contemporary work that describes a post-war Guam engagement of war criminals from 1944 to 1949. The stories in it are reminiscent of stories I had heard about the treatment of Chamorros from my family members. The book's author, even recounts a story of my wife's grandfather testifying against one of the handful of men from Saipan and Rota who were called upon to administer the imperial Japanese-occupied Guam. The stories of angst between Chamorros from Guam and our neighbors to the north in Saipan and Rota I thought may have been a bit off. Stories of Micronesians living in harmony seems like a much better story any day at any time. In my government service, though, that notion was thrown completely out the window when on a normal day in the year 2008, I got a phone call 
for a comment from the media regarding comments made by my boss at the time, the former governor of Guam, Felix Camacho, who while attending a speech competition, the Attorney General's Cup in Saipan, had asked the CNMI's forgiveness for not unifying both islands as a single political unit in 1969. The son of the appointed governor, Carlos Camacho, who was serving at that time, the sixth governor of Guam, said, quote, It is time to focus on a vision and plan for unity. We cannot allow others to break that hope. Close quote. At the time, I had no clue what had happened with former Governor Felix Camacho. We, as a team at the governor's office, didn't think he would be asked to speak at all. He spoke from the heart. He spoke inspired by the young people sharing the plight of those in the NMI. He spoke as a man whose family, too, had seen the horrors of war and the animosity of Guam Chamorros toward our neighbors in Rota and Saipan. When I think of this particular issue, I am reminded that many asked to do a task did so during a war. There were surely threats of harm or death. The acts speak to a conformity that to this day is studied extensively by social scientists all over the world. Conform or suffer great consequence. I even heard stories of my grandfather, Iloyu Gumatauta, having been told similar, support the Japanese or suffer greatly, but not him, his younger siblings. This last story I tell from plenty of foggy recollections of family members, but it makes such an important point about the fog of war or the uncertainty of war. Prussian military analyst Karl von Clausewitz wrote in 1832 and translated back in 1873, quote, War is the realm of uncertainty. Three quarters of the factors on which action in war is based are wrapped in a fog of greater or lesser uncertainty. A sensitive and discriminating judgment is called for, a skilled intelligence to scent out the truth. Close quote. Or as Sir Lonsdale Augustus Hale wrote in 1896, quote, the state of ignorance in which commanders frequently find themselves as regards the real strength and position not only of their foes, but also of their friends. Close quote. It is this trade-off, command, control, perhaps confusion. Strength and position by those under severe duress cannot be expected to end well. For the men who fought, for the men who were attacking and defending, they would have been better to take those actually in battle. But an innocent community was taken and asked to do many things, things against their faith and their moral compass. For that, many died, either as a result of such action or years later from the guilt that was not of their own doing, so to speak. Maybe 77 years from now, we should take this podcast and other reflections on the liberation of Guam and reshape the view of this community from a different lens. There was death. There was destruction. There was harm. But from the ashes of a war no one here wanted, a people and great society of Micronesia has risen. The remaining artifacts of the war are in our Guam Museum, or a special exhibit put together by the late John Gerber at Adeloupe. Also, the artifacts remain in the hearts and minds 
of the last of those 20,000 residents who were living in Guam from 1941 to 1944. Their stories will stand the test of time. Rubble from artillery shells have been replaced by homes from north to south. Pride emanates from schools, churches, and small businesses where there was nothing but ruin. In the people remains hope. While we battle the next great challenges, we cannot forget the sacrifices and stories of heroism and survival of Guam's greatest generation. That's it. That's all. If you enjoyed this podcast, download, press subscribe, or follow us right now. More great content is on the way. Talk to you soon. The That's It, That's All podcast is produced by Sean Gamatato. Executive producer is Trisha Gamatato. Hit the subscribe or follow button and leave a review. Thanks for listening.